again. I'm going to give you that again. Romans 12 and 1 Peter chapter 4. And again, we'll start with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Get some amens when you get there. All right. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way you worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Father, there's a lot going on in this world. We, we, we all, we're all aware of it. Um, Father, what a lot of us are not aware of is what you are doing there. Bojo mentioned that today. Father, I continue to pray for our brother and sister Christians that are overseas. You know, Father, um, I do believe that people fight for what they believe is right. The problem is they got lost along the way somewhere, God. Somewhere along the way they lost you. I just ask that you interject yourself into that situation that's going on overseas. Father, your peace and love conquer all. I claim that. Father, I pray for this message you've given me today. Father, your, your church, your church is how, it's how we grow. It's how we get more and more people to come to you. Sometimes I feel that the churches are not being used to the abilities that they have. Father, I, I promise you, I stand before this congregation and before you, and I assure you, I will do all I can to make, this, make sure this church gives everything they have to build your kingdom. Father, we don't come here half-hearted. We don't do things halfway. We stand firm in your belief, and we fight for you. And again, Father, you have my word on that. Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I ask that you take all my doubt, anger, distraction. Father, anything that's taking away from this message, I ask that you take it away, Father. You replace everything with your love, your peace, your discernment, and your wisdom. Father, I claim these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Some of y'all know, some of you may not know, I am in the jewelry industry. It's, it's something I grew up in. And in the jewelry industry, especially at our store, we make a lot of rings. We custom design a lot of rings. And through that process, there's a lot of different pieces that you have to put together before you can have the finished product. We'll show you all some pictures of that. We're going to start with the shank. This is the shank. This is the part of the ring, which is the bottom part of the ring, right? It goes on the bottom part of your finger. The next step that we use is the base. That's the middle part of the ring. So if you can imagine, the shank would be under this, and then you have the base. Are you all following? Christian head nods. Next would be the top. This is on the top part of the ring. This is where your big giant center stone would sit, right? The next part is your prongs, okay? Your prongs, that's what holds the diamonds in place, right? The small ones down the side, the small ones that go around that halo that you just saw on the top, and then your large one as well. Next, 
you have to have your accent diamonds. These accent diamonds are the small diamonds. They're the really small ones that go on the sides, go around in the halo. Go, they, they, again, accent diamonds, they accent the ring very well. Men, don't just buy your wife a small little accent diamond. That's not going to work, okay? And then the last piece of the puzzle is the center diamond, right? It's the big one. That's what really brings out the ring. The thing is, guys, you have to have all these pieces before you can actually have a finished product. Go ahead, Nick. It takes all of that to create a beautiful piece of jewelry. The church is no different. We all have different parts. We all have different gifts. We all have different purposes. But it takes all of us to create a beautiful church. Paul, <laughs> Paul really talks about this in, in Romans chapter 12. I, I want to go to verses 12, let's see, 4 through 5. Let's do 4 and 5 first. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. I need you to understand, Christ's body. What is Christ's body? Does anybody know? It's the church. Thank you very much. So it is with the church. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other, okay? Now, I need you to catch something else. No, I'm gonna, I'm, hang on, I'm going to wait. Let's go. Today, we're talking about the gifts of the body. That's the title today is the gifts of the body. Now, this is not to confuse with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is the gifts of the Spirit, okay? This is Romans chapter 12, gifts of the body, Next week, I'm going to preach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But today, I didn't ask y'all to turn to there. Just Romans, right? Let's concentrate on these seven gifts. There's seven gifts. I want to go to Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. So just keep going where you are. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Exhorting, in exhortation. Okay, exhorting is encouraging. Okay? Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Okay. Before I go any further, I need you to notice something. If you read the very top of this verse, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. Okay? Paul is mentioning seven gifts here of the body. We all use these gifts to build the body, the church. Okay? Go ahead and go to those, those gifts, Nick. If you remember at the top of that verse that we just saw, it said that we all have a gift. These are the seven gifts that Paul's talking about. Everyone in this room, every Christian, has at least one of these. At least. Some of y'all are like, Mike, I don't fit any of those. Yeah, you do. You just may not know it yet. And that's the goal today. Today, the goal is for all of you to walk out of this room and know exactly what gift or gifts you have that you can use to build Christian Warriors Church. So, those gifts. Prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, and mercy. We're going to break each one of these down one by one. This is where I'm going to get a little quicker. So if you need to, you can start taking pictures because we've got a lot of slides to go through. All right. So we're going to start with prophecy. Prophecy. A person with the gift of prophecy applies the word of God to a situation so that sin is exposed and relationships are restored. He or she has a strong sense of right and wrong and speaks out against evil. I want to look at the strengths, well, hang on, Nick. Let's leave it there just a second if y'all need to get pictures. I'll give you like three seconds. One, two, three. Okay. Profit strengths. Calls attention to wrongdoing. So if, you're, if you have the gift of prophecy, you have attention to wrongdoing. You're a very teachable person, not easily swayed by emotions, and you're outspoken and brash. Nick, if you could go back one more. Prophecy. Okay, I know a lot of times y'all hear this word and you're not thinking about knowing right from wrong. You're thinking about the prophets of the Old Testament that would literally 
you know, prophesy what was to come. Again, I'm not trying to confuse you. We will discuss that next week. There's two different prophecies. We're going to concentrate on this one today, which is knowing right from wrong. Okay? Go over one more, Nick. Y'all need to get pictures here. This is a gift that today I'm just going to kind of name some folks that I know has this gift. Uh, Bojo is very good with prophecy, knowing right from wrong. He's very good at pointing it out and fixing those problems. He's a very teachable person. Easily swayed by emotions is not Bojo. <laughs> Why y'all laughing? It's not Bojo. Bojo's, Bojo's good at that. Another one a lot of y'all may know is Dustin Martin. Dustin Martin works in the back most of the time. He's not here today, but Dustin's really good about this too. There have been multiple times that both of these men would come up to me and point out something that was wrong in the church, something that wasn't being done correctly. Now, what I need y'all to understand, and I know this about both of these men, I'm not saying y'all supposed to come to me every time something's wrong. That's impossible. But you pray before you come. And I know good and well these two men, before something is fixed in the church that, there's, that they feel there's a problem with, they're spending time on their knees, humbling themselves, and getting their answers from God. That is the gift. The gift is not just exerting it. The gift is being patient with it, making sure it is what God wants you to do and move on. Understood? Let's go to the next one, which is serving. A server is a person with the gift of excuse me, a person with the gift of serving is driven to show love by meeting practical needs. The server is available to see a project through to the end and enjoys doing physical work. Now, let's go to a server's strengths. They're humble, accountable, hardworking, and they have a big heart. We say that a lot. It's called a servant's heart. You'll hear me say that a lot. There's a lot of people in this church that have a servant's heart. When we started that ministry I was talking about nine years ago, that's what it was all about was serving the community. And again, we still stand firm on that. That's how we grow the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be his hands and feet. All of us, all of us, it's some way and somehow should have a little bit of a servant's heart. Now, some of you, like for instance, Mikey, Mikey's our outreach pastor. Y'all all know Mikey. Isn't that right, Mikey? Right. Yep, that's him. Mikey is your guy that has probably the largest servant's heart I've ever seen. In fact, I've, uh, I'm jealous of you, brother. I mean, that man does such an amazing job loving on people, the ones that need it the most. And... Um, He's definitely been somebody that I've always been able to look up to and to watch. I'm always admired by Mikey. That's a servant. That's how you should look at somebody that's a servant. You should get choked up like I am thinking about that. We have a lot of people in this church that have, again, have a servant's heart, and I truly believe it's because of the leadership of our outreach pastor. These people that have a servant's heart are ones that will step up, they take care of the homeless, they take care of the needy, they take care of the sick, and they do it without complaining. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Let's go to the next one. It's teaching. A person with the gift of teaching is passionate about discovering the truth. A teacher is always concerned with the accuracy of information, especially biblical doctrine. And it is often gifted with research abilities. All right, and let's go to their strengths. They're great at research, excellent studying habits. That is not me. I'm not the best at studying habits. Great problem solver, and they're patient. They're patient. You know, here's the thing about teaching. I'm not going to say you, you have to be extremely patient to be a good teacher. But I will say this. The best I've ever been around are very patient people. That's a strong characteristic for a teacher. If you're looking for what I call a mentor, a 
It's a teacher. You're looking for a mentor. Make sure you find those that are patient. The people that really fit this category are, I mean, Marissa's uh, over the kids' ministry, Miss Sharon, who's sitting here today, who's usually always back there. My mom's a teacher that's back there. Guy and Krista do an amazing job on Wednesday nights. In fact, they have grown the kids' ministry on Wednesday nights so much they're meeting in the fellowship hall because they outgrew this room. Y'all give them a round of applause. But that gift of teaching, guys, it's, it's something that... And they're inspired by it. They wake up and they can't wait to teach people. That's a gift that I know a lot of y'all have in this room. It's also a gift that I feel some of y'all are not using in this room. One thing I need y'all to understand as I go through these, I will never... Rewind. How do I word this? If you're not doing what I see you have a gift to do, I'll be patient, but when it gets to a point when it's just because you don't want to step out of your comfort zone, that's, that's when I'm going to kick you out there a little bit. That's when it's time to get to work. There's a, there's a process of learning your gift. I'm okay with being patient during that process, but once you figure it out, guys, if you don't do it, it's like Bojo said earlier, if he tells you to do something, you do it. Because if not, it's not you that it's going to affect so much. It's the ones that you could be helping grow closer to Christ. Next. Exhorter. A person with the gift of exhortation wants to see believers grow to spiritual maturity. An exhorter is an encourager at heart and is often involved in the ministries of counseling teaching, and discipling. Now, let's look at those strengths. Motivational, sets a good example, identifies root problems, wants others to succeed. There is a warning that comes with this gift, okay? If you're an exhorter, if you're an encourager, Oftentimes, that will cut in if you are a family person to your family life. Be fair warned for those of you that have this gift. Make dang sure you're encouraging the right people first and exhorting the right people first, which is your family. This is one that I don't mind saying I definitely struggle with. This is one that <laughs> it is a major blessing and can be a curse. That gift to, to make sure others are succeeding, you want to disciple people, you want them to grow, you want to see them grow their family, just make sure, again, it's not hurting yours. Your family is what? Number one ministry. If there's one thing 30 years from now that will be stuck in your head from this church, I hope that's what it is. People that uh, have this gift, uh, Bojo's a good encourager. You know, he's a different type of encourager, though. He's, he's, he's one of those, yeah, he's one of those kick you in the butt, get you going kind of guys, you know. I mean, sometimes I just want to be loved on, and then he shows up, you know. It's like Will Green, Jay Harrison. Uh, Craig, Leroy, those are guys that are great encouragers. I, I, and there's so many more of y'all. Listen, I'm not trying to leave anybody out, I assure you. I don't have enough time to name every person in this room that has reached out to me and encouraged me over the last two years. But those are guys that I just, I, I can't, every time I get around them, you know, it's, it's constant encouragement. And guys, what I need y'all to understand, that gift is so strong. That is a gift when somebody's down. You have a gift to lift them up. That's so big. If you have that gift, do not shy away from it. That one gift right there can grow the church in such a major way. There's always, always people hurting. Always. You have that gift to lift them up. 
So you'll be busy a lot, by the way, because there is always people hurting. A giver. A person with the gift of giving wants to use financial resources wisely in order to give to meet the needs of others. A giver is usually good at financing, or excuse me, finding the best buy, noticing overlooked needs, and maintaining a budget. Now, there are a ton of you guys in this church that are great givers. In fact, all of you are. The majority of y'all, I'm telling you, especially the ones that have been around for so long, you're giving. Now, here's what I need you to understand. I know this is talking about finances, but finances is not the only way that you give. Give with your time. Give with effort. Give with prayer. You know, one of the things that I always tell somebody when they look at me and they're like, Micah, I literally don't have a dime. Now, I'm going to tell you, well, let me, I'm going to go a little bit into that. God doesn't care what you give financially. Unless you have it to give and you're not giving it. Givers, most of the time, givers have it to give. Most of the time, the givers that I put, that I put somebody in that giver category, it's a lot of times it's your older veterans, right? It's your older warriors. It's the ones that can't get out as much and be the hands and feet anymore. So they give a different way. And again, it doesn't have to be financially. They could be mentoring younger people. That's one way to give. A lot of different ways to give. But I do want to talk about this money thing real quick, guys. And y'all know I do not like to preach on money. I'll never ask for your money. I'm just going to tell you what I've learned. When you're down to that last dime and you don't think you can give it, give it and watch what happens. I'm just saying. And here's another thing. I ain't saying give it here. You give it wherever God tells you to give it. It might be to your next door neighbor. I don't care, okay? But if God tells you to give that last dime, give it. Watch it multiply. And it may not be money that it multiplies by. Amen. You cannot outgive God. One way that I've always seen it multiply in my life is peace. I don't know about y'all. I'll take peace all day long over money. In fact, money don't bring peace at all. Good gosh. You know, what was that old rapper, Mo Money, Mo Problems? When that... <laughs> it's the truth. That's Biggie Smalls, by the way. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Had that song in my head. I was actually, I was waiting on you to play it, and then I was like, we're in the church. Don't play that. <laughs> Givers' strengths, they're hard workers, financially stable, consistent, and they're humble. They give silently. Okay, guys, here's another, here's another lesson on giving. You don't give and then go talk about it. That's not giving. That's boasting. That's bragging, and I don't like it. And I sure as heck don't like it in this church. We're going to give silently. That's biblically the way we're supposed to do things. You know, I don't know, I have no idea, none whatsoever, what anybody in this church gives. Don't want to know. It ain't my business. My business is to teach y'all, right? The finance team, probably my elders, I don't, even know, I don't even know who all knows. I have no idea. That's not my business. My business is to teach you guys. But I'm going to tell you right now, what's really cool I don't know who gives. I don't know who gives the most money because they're doing it silently. And that's probably why they have it to give. God's probably blessed it to them because he knows they'll give the right way. I thank all y'all for that. All of you that do give to this church. And obviously, if you look around, you see that we've changed. It does take finances to do those things. But I'll promise you this, God will always give us financially what we need because this church is by far called. It is called, and he will always supply the ones that he calls. So givers, thank y'all very much. From the bottom of my heart, thank y'all very much. Let's go into leadership. A person with the gift of leadership is able to accomplish tasks and solve problems through analysis and delegation. 
A leader often discerns the talents and abilities of others and knows how those individuals can best serve within a ministry or own a particular project. The leader's strengths. Goal-oriented. Ability to discern others. Willing to take the blame. Faces controversy well. And handles criticism well. Now, I'm going to leave those up there for a second. I'm going to let those soak in a second. You are all called to be leaders. May not be a church leader, but you're all called to be leaders in your home. It's your job. At your school, on your walk. Y'all better all take a picture of that because you're all called to do it. Amen? It's like, gosh dang, are you serious? Like, I, was, I thought I was studying that part out, and I was like, when I say that, they're going to be like, amen. They're gonna hit. You know, sometimes I think of that, like I study hard on something, and like I even, like I even had it highlighted and circled. I'm like, they're going to go crazy over this one. And, and then you don't. Like, I don't understand. And then I'll say something in a minute that's like nothing, and y'all going to get all excited. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, it never makes sense to me. <laughs> amen. Amen. She said, she said, hang, she handles criticism well. I was struggling with that just a second ago. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, we're going to, yeah, we'll get past that. <laughs> we are going to come back to that in a minute and talk a, a little bit more about leading, but I want to go to the last one, which is mercy. Oh, wait a minute, real quick, talking about leaders. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, we have some very strong leaders in this church. Our elders, Randy, where's Randy at? Where's he at? Where's Randy at? Is he in the back? He's back here working. See, that's what he does. See what I'm talking about? He ain't even in here. That's okay. He knows all this stuff. He doesn't you know. You got him. You got Kirby. You got Don. Where's Don at? I just saw him earlier. There's Don. Kirby's in the back. Kirby's that really good-looking dude standing back here. Yeah, that's Kirby. You know, those are our elders. Those three men lead in such a strong way. Without those men, I, you know, I, I don't know where we'd be as a church. I don't know where I'd be as a pastor or a man without those three guys. You know, and a lot of churches, you don't know who the elders are, and that's amazing. I love that. And, and, and our, our elders never, never ask for the spotlight. In fact, Randy's not in here. Kirby's hiding in the back, and Don Ann's keeping him quiet. You know, <laughs> but those three men, a lot of times, you don't know. I mean, I love that some people don't know who our elders are. I love that. They're leading silently. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you, elders. Y'all give them a round of applause. All right, now let's go to mercy. A person with the gift of mercy is sensitive to the emotional and spiritual needs of others. A mercy giver is drawn to people in need and seeks to demonstrate compassion, understanding, and love. It's supposed to be love on them. I'm sorry, I did 33 slides. I made one mistake. Okay, love on them. That's, that's their job. You know what? I'm going to tell you, one of the strongest people that I've ever seen in this area is a leader here at our church. She's over the women's ministry, Cheryl Collum. I mean, if you want to see what mercy looks like, just follow her around a little while, especially up here at the church, because she gives me a lot of mercy, okay? In fact, this morning, <laughs> I texted her this morning. We, we've got a meeting right after church, and uh, I told everybody, and, and I forgot to tell Cheryl. And, and, and so I, I actually thought I did, but she wasn't in the text. So I texted her this morning at like 6 o'clock, and she gave me mercy, number one, because she was probably still asleep. She didn't get mad at me for waking her up. And then she shows up, and she's like, Mike, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm like, I just, I love that. I love her. But mercy, and the thing is, drawn to people and the needs that they have, that they seek to demonstrate compassion. But the thing is, a, a person that has mercy, they have a shepherd's heart. A shepherd's heart is a protector. A shepherd's heart is somebody that they can sense pain. And again, they have this gift to go in and, and fix that. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, my my brother-in-law Nick 
has strong mercy, and, and I can say that because he's married to my sister. <laughs> uh, Nick, we prayed for you for a long time, man. I mean, seriously, a long time. <laughs> but seriously, all kidding aside, Nick has, it's awesome to watch Nick. Nick is a lawyer, and, you know, he, most lawyers don't have mercy, by the way. But Nick has such a strong gift for people when he sees that they're hurting. I mean, he'll talk to me. He can't go into a lot of detail, but he'll talk to me about some of the people that he's trying to help and so forth and, you know, either put in jail or get out of jail, you know, and it's, it's really cool to watch him talk about it because I see his heart come out for these people. Even the ones that were wrong, even the ones that did wrong. And I need y'all to understand something. You're supposed to show mercy to everybody. Now, there's always a time for truth. And there's always a time for justice. And that's where my brother-in-law does such a, a great job as a lawyer. Yeah, I'm going to put your rear end in jail because what you did was wrong, but you know what? I'm going to love on you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to care for you, though. Because guess what? If you're still breathing, God ain't done with you yet. I don't care who you are. I don't care. It's not done with you. And then, of course, my wife has, like, major mercy. We're not going to go into a lot of detail on that. We're going to skip past that. All, all pastors should have this gift, by the way. Every single pastor. Guys, and I'm not just saying this for, for just, this is for y'all's knowledge going forward. Um, you know, some of you may move. Uh, some of you may get sick of me and go to another church. And I'm, I'm, that's fine. It hurts my feelings a little bit, but it's okay. I'll be all right. But the thing is, Regardless of it, make sure that wherever you go, whatever church that you ever set foot in, that that pastor has mercy. If he doesn't, he doesn't have a servant's heart. And I'll be honest with you, he shouldn't be leading a church. Jesus Christ set the ultimate example of mercy. We are all supposed to try and mimic him, but especially your pastor's. You have to show that. And you can ask Bojo, we had this talk. <laughs> Me and Bojo had this talk. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to show mercy all the time. It's hard. But I'll be honest with you. The times that I don't, it's a domino effect of destruction. Every time. Guys, I promise you, if you will implement mercy in your life, peace follows. Every time. Every time. Okay, those are your seven gifts, okay? I hope y'all got some pictures of that. We're going to go to 1 Peter. This is why I told you to put a mark there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, okay? God has given each of you a gift. Use it to help each other. This will show God's loving favor. Each of us have a gift. Again, repeating the same thing that we read at the beginning of Romans chapter 12. But here's the thing. I want you to notice the last two words on the first line. Use it. I know there's people sitting in this congregation right now that aren't using their gift. But I also know there's some people sitting in this congregation right now that may not know their gift. And again, our goal today is when you walk out the doors that you know at least one of these gifts. He's telling us to use it. How in the world are you going to grow God's kingdom if you're not using the gifts that he's given you to do it with? And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you are using that gift, but not to grow his kingdom, you're using it against him. I want you to think about that. If you've got a gift that he's given you, and you're not using it to build the church, you're using it to hurt the church. Now, from Romans chapter 12, I don't know if any of y'all noticed this, but I skipped verse 3. We read 1 through 8, and I did not read verse 3 because I wanted to come back to it. 
Go ahead, Nick. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is, this is Paul speaking, I give each of you this warning. When the book says warning, you better take notice. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. When it comes to the gifts of the body, there are two problems that I always see in churches. People that don't use their gifts and that don't serve the church according to God's will and purpose for them. And people that try to be someone they're not. There is a perfect medium, and that is where God wants you to be. There's, there's one in particular that we need to discuss, and not everybody is called, I want to go back to this, called to be a leader. We talked about that gift, the, the leadership role. Don't try to force yourself into that position. It, that, that it, it'll never work. I'm not saying you won't get there, but it won't work, is what I am saying. Y'all follow me? You can force yourself into a leadership position, but it's not going to work. Not to God's will. God needs to place you in that leadership position. He'll open the door for you to be in that leadership position. You will not have to force it. If it's God-given, he'll give it to you. I've seen a lot of destruction and bad direction from a lot of churches because I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen people that try to take on a leadership role because they want power. They want reckoning. They don't want money. There's no money in this, okay? Well, some of them are. Some big, big churches out there. I'm thinking of a, never mind. But they don't get in it for the right reasons. I was talking to somebody, I think it was last week. It was somebody that was telling me that they were called to the ministry. And he told me, he said, I'm scared to death. And I said, then you're probably called. If you're fired up and excited to go into it from day one, mm, I, I question you. I really do. I question you. God, you will know when God wants you to be in a leadership position. And I'm going to tell you right now, well, let's continue. Because Paul's fixing to warn you about this. I'm, I'm getting this done. Let's go. Let's go. Paul's warning us of this very destruction here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul's warning, don't think you are better than you really are. Stay humble to who you are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Stay true to who you are. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you, be who God built you to be, not who others built you to be. Stay humble to who you are. Know who you are. You know your weaknesses. You know if you can lead or not. Don't try to do it. You know if you can. And I'm going to warn you right now, leadership ain't fun. It ain't fun. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I have a blast. It's fun to lead this church. It's fun to lead this congregation. It is. It's, it, besides marrying my wife and deciding to have our children, it's the best decision in my life I've ever made. But it ain't easy. Because there's a lot of evil out there. And when your friends and your loved ones and your family and your congregation is getting attacked by it, your job's to fight back and to teach them how to fight back. And it's hard. So I'm telling you right now, don't force yourself into that situation. Because if you do, you ain't prepared. And I'm going to tell you right now, the ones that force themselves in those situations, I need everybody in here to grab this. If you forced yourself into a leadership role, you are what the Bible calls 
a false prophet. God didn't tell you to do that. You're lying. You're a false prophet. And this book warns us against false prophets. You are to run and you are to flee from them as quick as possible. And here's what I love. If you're anointed in the Holy Spirit, you'll know. That's biblical. You'll know who's a false prophet and who's not. You won't be fooled. As a Christian, as a child of God, you will not be fooled. Stay true to who you are. Again, know your gifts, guys. And then again, be who God built you to be, not who others built you to be. I think that, hang on. Y'all give me just a second. Okay. I had to get permission. Some of y'all have been here long enough to know this. Some of you have not. So I'm going to state my case again. I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. I'm an independent Christian. That's how I vote. That's how I live. I'm not red and I'm not blue. Understood? There are countries, political realms in this world that people have lifted someone else up to be in a position. And it causes destruction. I have seen this at the levels of the church, school board, city council, the state level, the government level of our country, and in the world. And I want you to look at the places where there's destruction. And you tell me if that leader is a child of God. You tell me if God called them to that position. It's not hard to find out. That's the problem with not only this world, our government, and our local government. Now, we have some great people in leadership. Need you to understand that. There's still good people out there, y'all. Don't think there's not. Trust me, they're fighting. But I promise you, there's a lot of bad ones. There's a lot of people in positions that I assure you God did not put them in. And I'm going to tell you real quick whose fault that is. It's the church's fault. Somewhere along the way, we didn't step up and fight back the way we were supposed to. I refuse for this church to ever be that way. These gifts that I'm talking about today, man, I did not plan on going down this road. I was trying to teach you guys. <laughs> I was trying to, you know, we, we need you guys to step up in the church, you know. Let's use these gifts to grow the church, and we do. But God just revealed something to me. These seven gifts can be used in a political realm that is destroyed. These gifts are not just to build the church in this building that we're in. It's to build our country, our world, and our, our community, right? But I will say this. It starts in this church. We have to set the example that others follow. And somewhere along the way, the church quit doing it. They got scared. Our God is not a God of fear. I refuse to be scared. They can come take me down from this pulpit. And guess what? Somebody bail me out and I'll be right back up here next Sunday. We need to all have that mindset, right? That should always be our mindset. 
So guys, not only, let's, let's concentrate on these gifts and growing this church and setting an example the way that we need our community, our state, and our country to do it, right? And if we can get back to being the United States that was built on Christian morals and Christian standards, we again can be a great example for the world. Amen? Awesome. I did not mean, I hate politics. I hate politics. I did not mean to go down that road, but God told me to, so I did it. I did what he told me to do. Y'all saw me. I prayed about it before I said it. I promise. I did. I wasn't, I wasn't going to do it. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You're absolutely right. Guys, if you'll do these things, if you'll, if you'll take care of these three right here that Paul's warning you about, you will figure out your calling and your position in the church. Just follow those things. I want to end with some stuff real quick. I want, to, I want y'all to look at this. You know, the church, it's like a puzzle. Pull that picture up for me, Nick. You know, these are those seven gifts, and I added one. You've got prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, mercy, leading, and love. The greatest of these is love. You can accomplish all things through love. God is love. You have to have that, or it will not complete that puzzle. Do you understand? And then when you take those eight and you flip that puzzle around, what do you get, Nick? Thank you, Will Green. You gave me that idea. I appreciate it. I didn't give you a shout out the other day when I did your thing, so I was going to give it to Will. You know what I'm saying? Guys, I want to show you real quick our serving opportunities here at the church. If you can pull this up. Guys, these are things that we need, okay? Greeters, uh, people that do the offering, our prayer team, warrior kids, warrior kids. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, or, or an 18-year-old. We need help. We need help with our kids. And where else would you not want to teach? That is the next generation. That's the next set of warriors, Right? If you have the gift of teaching, I need your help. Because I'm going to tell you, something's coming. This church is about to explode. I have no doubt. We're not ready. We need servers. We need teachers. Guys, if y'all want to be a part of watching something special, help us. Be a part of it. That's something awesome. It's something awesome to see, man. It's so cool to watch. The last two years, for those of y'all that have been here, y'all know that. How cool has it been to watch God move in this church in the last two years? Man, it's been amazing, right? <laughs> Take five seconds. Give God another round of applause for that. But guys, we're still planting a church. It's only been two years. They say the planning process can take up to 10 years. It's not going to take that long for us, by the way. I'll, I'll have a heart attack. But what I'm saying is, is we're in that next step. And I want everybody in this room to be involved in it. Everybody. Because it's, and it's not even because we just need the help or anything. It will bless you. Trust me. It will bless you. And you need to use your gift. Security. We always need security. Uh, outreach, that's Mikey. Mikey needs help bad in outreach. Guys, if y'all want to help in outreach, if y'all want to help feed the homeless, if y'all want to help with these different ministries that we help with and so forth, get in touch with Mikey. He needs some help. Y'all get in touch with Mikey. That's what this ministry was built on, and I will not walk away from it. We need help. Set up crew, clean up crew. That's people that come in. They, they, they take, like in the mornings, Jeremy Burks is in charge of that, does an amazing job. Jeremy comes in, cleans the place out, gets rid of all the trash, sets those little cards up everywhere, straightens the chairs, all that kind of, That's what you do. You take the trash out when it's over. It's those types of things. Y'all looking at me like, take the trash out. Listen, the older church that I went to, the richest man in that congregation took the trash out every single Sunday. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Beautiful thing to watch. Praise and worship team, we've got a drum set sitting here that has not been played on in months. Huh? We need another piano player? 
another one. Flavio, do you need a break? Are they trying to kick you off the team or what? Like, what's the deal? Oh, because he plays drums. Oh, I got you. So we get a piano player, then he can play the drums. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We've got a bass player. We wouldn't mind having another one. We've got a guitarist. Wouldn't mind having another one. I want somebody to play electric guitar. Like, I want to walk up in here one day and hear some, you know what I'm saying, just jamming out. My elders are like, Micah, shut up. But, like, I love that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, I don't care if you play the banjo. Like, seriously, if you have a musical talent, we need help. Now, please, make sure it's a joyful noise. If y'all notice, I ain't up here singing. I can't. I suck at it. Don't do it. But if you got the gift, use it. Amen? Amen. And, and do me a favor. If you don't know if you're making a joyful noise or not, ask somebody. <laughs> not your spouse. If Amanda came to me, I bet, babe, you sound like an angel. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but she don't. Okay? But <laughs> tech team, we always need help there, guys. We always need help with tech team. Tech team's the ones with the, you know, they do all the stuff I have no clue how to do. You know, music, the, the, the speakers, the back there in the back, those guys, you know, that's what they do. And they do an amazing job. But we need more. We need more. Guys, and another thing, and I'm going to end with this on, on, on serving. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I got I to hush. Okay, so when it comes to serving at this church, we, we don't want you to get burned out. We really don't want you to get burned out. Our job, if we can get enough people to serve, you're going to serve like once a month, once every two months. That'd be beautiful, right? That way you can sit your ear in, in this congregation and learn something and sit by your family most of the time. And that's so important. Again, family is number one ministry. We're not going to take you away from your family. Cool? There's serving cards in your seats. There's serving cards on the table right outside there as soon as you take a right. If you want to sign up today to serve this church, fill out the card. There's a box right outside, right around that corner. Drop it in that box. But I want you to pray about it before you do it. Don't just do it because you want to do it. No, you do it because God wants you to do it. Amen? Okay. Grab a pen and paper. Write this down. Next week, we're going to do gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to scare a lot of people. I'm super excited about that. I hope y'all figured out your gift today. Go ahead, Nick. The measure of someone's greatness is not by the number of servants they have, but by the number of people they serve. 